Uh, we were in part two of our series, um, Wrapped in Love, and, you know, Jesus is the greatest gift that God could have given to us, the gift of eternal life, and that's where we started last week, that Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life, which is really the greatest gift ever. I mean, any other gift that we would possibly get this side of heaven is temporary. It fades, and God made, made certain that we would receive the most important thing, the eternal thing, which is eternal life. Because no matter how hard we take care of our health, amen, no matter how well we diet, and I know that's hard during the Christmas season, at some point in time, our lives on this earth are going to end. But that's just the beginning if you're in Christ, amen. And that's why this Christmas season exists, to remind us that the greatest gift of all is the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And as we unwrap what that means throughout this season, we should be reminded, encouraged, and also motivated to live in the light of His great love. But it's just so easy to forget how important that gift is. Isn't that true? You know, we, we just had a, had a Secret Santa uh, kind of outreach with uh, some middle schoolers last night. And, uh, you know, it's funny to see what people fight over when, you know, you do that Secret Santa gift exchange. You know what I'm talking about? Everyone unwraps a gift and you can steal from somebody else. So these middle schoolers, believe it or not, they were fighting over a bag of sports drinks. Like 10 body armor sports drinks. That was the hit. They were like stealing that from each other. They were getting mad when someone stole it from them. And then someone even had a Target gift card. And they were, he traded it for the sports drinks. I was like, you realize they sell that at Target, right? Like, you know, you could just go and buy your own. But I suppose, you know, it's better to have it within your hands now because your mom might say no. Uh, that's My wife would tell my son no. But anyway... But it was funny to see what they were fighting over. It was either the sports drinks, that was the hit, by the way. So if you're planning a Christmas party with middle schoolers, sports drinks, I guess. Um, or it was like Bluetooth speakers from Ross. And they were like fighting over it. And I was like, it's not going to last very long. I know, I know how much that thing is, and I know that's not going to go very well. But, but it's just funny to see what they were fighting over and just battling over. And, and I realized, like, you know, sometimes we, we lose focus on what's really important. And we start fighting over, clawing after, grasping for things that don't matter in the end. Stuff that's temporary, stuff that will never satisfy us. But the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life, Jesus Christ gave to us. And sometimes we treat that and we, we forget how great and precious and important that is. And so we need to unwrap that. Every season, be reminded every day of how great the gospel is in our lives. But that's not all. If all Jesus gave to us was the gift of eternal life, that'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? That when this life is over, it's really just beginning for us. But that's not it. He also comes to give us a new life on earth. It's not just life far, far away one day when this life is over. It's a new life on earth that we can live today. And we can be, begin living a new life in power and in victory and in freedom because of God and His Word. The Bible calls us children of God. And we can live a new life for the rest of our days here with His power fueling us. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Because sometimes, Christians, we can just focus on the life that's coming, right? Once this life is over. And that is true. That is great. But that is not all. There's a new life on earth that God wants every single one of us to live as well, and you as well watching online. And we want to talk about this, that this morning. The moment that revealed this new life on earth, one of the powerful moments that did that, comes when Jesus raised a man from the dead. And it's found in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I welcome you to turn there with me. If not, it'll be up on screen for you. And as we revisit this moment, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of our hearts about the new life that He wants us to live on this earth as well. One of Jesus' closest friends, a guy by the name of Lazarus, died. And Jesus now headed to the place where Lazarus was buried with all the people mourning all around. And we pick it up in John chapter 11, starting in verse 32. Now, when Mary had come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray as we dive into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals to us so many things. But first and foremost is your great love for us, who you are, a loving God. And I pray today that you would show us through your word how you want us to live a new life in you, that by your power, the bindings of the past can come off and we can live a new life in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Lazarus was dead. He was really dead. He was dead for four days, it says, and the family members were so concerned that their body would have already been decomposing that they didn't want Jesus to do anything. They said, it's too late. You missed the moment, Jesus. Where were you? But Jesus said, no, no, no. I need to show you something. I want to show you who I really am. There's so much to unpack from this passage, um, and we'll actually get to it again uh, in our next series in January. But for, for this morning, I want to point out three things that I think speaks to where we are and the power of God, the gift of God for eternal life and for a new life here on earth. This moment shows us three things. Number one, that Jesus calls us from death to life. Jesus calls us from death to life. All of us are spiritually dead, the Bible says. That because of our sins, it separates us from God. And in our natural state, we're separate from God. And so there's a, a spiritual deadness in all of our soul. When you read the Bible, very often where you see a picture of physical death, it's also a metaphor for spiritual death. That separate from God, we will all die a physical death. But more worse than that, even worse than that, is the spiritual eternal death that all of us will, will endure if we don't be reconciled with God. And spiritual death, eternal death, is far worse than just our own physical death. And so for Jesus to raise a physically dead man from the grave also is a picture that our spiritual deadness can be brought back to life as well. Can I hear an amen to that? That he didn't just come to raise our bodies. He comes to raise the deadness of our spirit so that we can be reconciled with God and have eternal life in heaven. And so when he called forth Lazarus from the dead, he who has the power to raise a physically dead person also has the power to raise spiritually dead people. Can I hear an amen to that? The same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus eventually from the dead, is the same power that lives inside of us to raise the deadness of our spiritual lives from the dead as well. It doesn't matter how bad our past has been. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter even the state that we're in right now emotionally or whatever it is. God can raise that from the dead. There's no area of deadness in our soul, in our lives that cannot be resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? And we should be grateful. Because no matter how bad we've been or how bad our situation is, God can bring it back to life. 
But most importantly, this moment revealed that Jesus really was the Messiah. Because that up to this moment in time, the Jews were like, yeah, he's a miracle worker. Yeah, he can open the eyes of the blind. Yeah, he can do a few cool things right on. But who is he really? When Lazarus came walking out of that tomb because of a simple word from Jesus, they knew <laughs> this dude's different. <laughs> he's not just a prophet. He's probably, he in fact is the Messiah. This is the moment many theologians believe that, that, that sealed Jesus' own death because the Jews did not like the fact that he claimed to be the Messiah. And he said, man, we got to put a stop to this Jesus. This was the moment that changed everything because he, they began to realize this guy is who he says he is, the Son of God, and that what he said is true. That even in our brokenness, our deadness, our lostness, Jesus can bring that back to life. And in all of our lives, if you've been a Christian now for a while, sometimes we forget how Jesus brought us back to life or resurrected the dead areas of our life of hopelessness, of fear, of insecurity, of anxiety. Maybe it was broken relationships. Jesus can mend that and heal that. But sometimes over time, we forget and we, we, we cease to be grateful. And I think this morning, God would want us to be reminded and just grateful, man, thank you, God, for bringing me back to life. But for many of us, we may still have some areas in our lives that feel dead, maybe relationships that feel dead. Maybe areas of our, even in our, in our mental health and emotional health that seems hopeless and lost and dead. Jesus can bring that back to life too. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Even in the deadness of our lostness, even in the deadness of our sin, Jesus can bring that back to life. And it's why we celebrate Christmas. It's why we need to be reminded of the grace of God because this is really the greatest thing of all. If he didn't do this for us, we'd be lost. If he didn't bring us back to life, there's no hope for us to, to have eternal life in heaven or even a, a new life here on earth because of the lostness of our own soul. But Jesus came to bring us back to life. The second thing we see here is we are enabled to live a new life as we allow God to unbind us through discipleship. You know what I love here in this passage? is that Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, and Lazarus woke up, right? He, he got, came back. But he told the people to roll the stone away. He told the people around to unbind him. Now, Jesus could have easily done that himself. He could have said, well, you want to see something really cool? Watch this stone move, and the stone would have rolled away, right? I mean, that's probably what I would have done. I would have made it levitate and flow. See, I am God. Uh, but but he, he enlisted the help of everyone around. Now, that's really interesting to me. And then Lazarus comes walking out. Imagine that moment. Buddy comes walking out of the tomb, still wrapped in all the grave clothes. And he told the people there, you unwrap him. I want you guys to unbind him and let him go. And I think this is a metaphor of the fact that even though Jesus brings us back to life, we can still be bound by the stuff of our past. Even though we are born again through Christ, by his grace alone, through faith alone, we come alive in our spirit. There's still junk from our past that keeps us bound. Have you noticed? I remember when I first got saved, I thought, oh man, when I give my life to Jesus and when I get baptized, I'm going to be a new man. I'm never going to get angry again. I'm never going to be tempted again. I'm never going to fall into sin again. How many of you ever thought that? And then you did, right? And I don't know about you. I said, what happened? I think you need to baptize me again. I don't think it worked. I think you got to hold me down longer next time, you know, because it didn't work. For some reason, I've still got the, the junk from my past on my life. The reality is, while we're born again, our spirit comes alive, but we've still got issues in our soul and in our flesh that need to be redeemed. That's what the process of discipleship is. It's why we encourage everyone to come to church every week and to go to small group, because through that process, we're becoming unbound from the stuff of the past. 
A lot of people go, well, I believe in Jesus, so I'm good, right? Like, I know Jesus, so I don't need to do anything else. Yes and no. For your eternal salvation, it's all about just believing in Jesus. We don't do anything to earn that. But if we want the wraps of the past to come off of us, if we want the bindings and the junk from our past to get off so we can live free, we're going to need some help with that. We can't do that on our own. And that's why we do life together in what we call relational discipleship in our small groups so that together we can help unwrap one another of the junk from our past. It doesn't come off on its own. And again, Jesus could have easily snapped his fingers and said, all the wraps come off and it would have came off. But Jesus somehow, for some reason, enlisted the help of others. And I think that's to be instructive to all of us that we need the help of other people to remove the wraps of the past, to remove the junk of the past, the grave clothes, if you will, from our past so that we can live a new life in Christ. Jesus said to the people there, you go unbind him and let him go. Maybe some of us today, we've, we, we have new life in Christ because we've been born again, but we've got junk from the past that still needs to be unwrapped. It takes time. It does. I wish it would happen right away. It takes years, decades even. And for the rest of our lives, we're going to always have junk from our past that holds us down. So don't feel, you know, like there's something wrong with you if you're still struggling with thoughts and mindsets and temptations and sins. We all do. But that's why we need other people around us to help unwrap us. Can I hear an amen to that? And we need to be unwrapped because there's a new life that God wants us to live. We all need to be unwrapped in our thought life, the stuff that we think about. We need to be all be unwrapped in our attitudes sometimes. Come on, somebody, be honest in church, right? Elbow your spouse. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we all need to be unwrapped in our habits and our addictions at times, right? We need to be unwrapped in the words that we say, the way that we tr- treat people. There's so many uh, areas of our lives where the old life, we bring that into the new life in Christ, and we wonder why sometimes we struggle. And we wonder why sometimes, how, how come I don't experience the joy and the peace and the victory that I'm supposed to be experiencing? Maybe it's because we haven't allowed someone to help unwrap us. And I know over the life of this church, you know, many people, we, we resist going to small group because we know that's where it gets real, right? Where people get to know us and, they, and we get to know them. And, and that's scary sometimes, but if we really want the freedom in Christ, we need to be able to get around people who can help us take off the gray clothes. Let me, let me help you with that. Let me, let me help untie that area of your life. It's uncomfortable. It's humbling, but it's necessary. Thank God Lazarus allowed the people to do that. I mean, he could have said, nah, I'm good. You know, just go back home, wrap like a mummy. But he allowed the people to unwrap him. And he began to live a new life on earth because of Christ. If we let others unwrap us, we can live a brand new life on earth, a new life But when we look back and when people look at us, they go, wow, you're not the same person that you were. What happened to you? You're not as angry and bitter and lustful and prideful or whatever as you once were. Don't we all want that to be our testimony? Then we need help to be unwrapped. And then lastly, before we bring up our guest spot, through Christ, we can live a new life on earth and can help unbind others. This is so key. That God's called us to live this life on earth free from from the junk of the past, so that we can help unwrap other people who are bound up in sin as well. And that's really the goal of the life of a Christian. Not just that we experience this new life in Christ, but that we can help other people to experience new life in Christ. Second Corinthians tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Praise God, you've come alive. The old has passed away, and the new has come. And with this newness, the call on every, every Christian is to help unwrap other people, to help other people to experience that same freedom as well. And as we've said over the last few weeks, you know, just as Christmas is a, a joyous season for a lot of people, it's a really difficult season for a lot, lot of other people as well. And if we've experienced new life in Christ and we have that hope, we need to be helping other people to experience that hope as well, to sit with them, to love them, to help slowly unwrap the junk of the past 
so that they too can experience freedom in Christ and new life in Christ. And this Christmas season gives us a great opportunity for that to happen. You know, one of the, <clears throat> a great example of this, and I think a great testimony that we're going to bring up right now is the testimony of Mike and Jennifer Matias. Uh, they've been on our staff. Jennifer's been on our staff for a while, and of course, many of you know them, but I'm going to call them to the stage so that we can unpack their story a little bit of new life in Christ. Will you help me welcome Mike and Jennifer Matias? Thank you guys for, for doing this. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So, you know, many of you, if you don't know Mike and Jen Matias, uh, this is Jennifer. She's our, our kids director. She helps oversee our kids ministry as well as our family ministries here at Pearlside. Been on staff and, and a leader at the church for a while. Mike as well, one of our small group leaders, your coach as well, a small group coach. Uh, he's a businessman. He owns an electrical construction company, and uh, he's just everywhere. I mean, if you've been to Pearlside for like five seconds, you've probably seen Mike and Jen somewhere around. And I realized as we were talking about this that we haven't really unpacked your guys' story, maybe ever. And so I thought this would be a great, great moment to do that. Um, first of all, I think we have a picture of your family. Go ahead and throw that up on screen, a picture of their family. It's coming, I promise. Just imagine, there we go. So we've been married for how many years? 27? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was, good, that was good. That was good. You passed the test, Mike. <laughs> First we, test. There you go. <laughs> we have four kids, three grandkids, one more coming go. along the way. Yeah, that's our family. Um, and so, you know, our youngest is here, Abigail, and then we have um, our grandkids as well. And that's been a really new, exciting kind of phase of life for us. It, it's more fun than being a parent, actually. Yeah, Jen, Jen was telling me it's so much more fun. Yeah, it is. It I can't is. wait. Definitely. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing family. God's doing some amazing stuff. But, you know, the life you guys lived before coming to Christ, contrasted to today, is a pretty stark contrast. So tell us, you know, what was your life like before Christ in just the, the, the lostness and the deadness of, of that season? Tell us about that. So, you know, we grew up knowing God. We went to church when we were young, but we didn't really know how to live that life that shows our love for God. And so um, when we were in high school, I was a senior in high school. My last semester, we got pregnant. And, you know, it was not something we planned. It was not something uh, our family had planned. I was actually supposed to go away to college. I had scholarships all lined up. I was going to go to L.A., go to a private college there. I was going to get a degree, travel the world, and then change the world. You know, that was really my plan at 17, 18 years old. But we got pregnant. And just to give you a picture of the contradiction of what this was like, at our graduation, I'm sitting on stage with my gown and my cap, and there's this one award that they give to one male and one female for the entire class. It's the only award they give at graduation. Well, they called my name. And being pregnant, not being in a good state of mind, I thought to myself, my first thought was, oh my gosh, they are outing me. They're going to tell a thousand people that I'm a teenager that's pregnant in front of all of these people. And I was so embarrassed, so it was shameful at that moment that I just froze. And somebody had to like nudge me and tell me, hey, Jen, that's your name. You got to go get the word. I'm like, I'm not going to get that, right? Because I thought it was like, I thought it was like a prank or something. <laughs> uh, but no, they were really giving me the award. And, and that was really just a contrast, you know, of, what my life was supposed to be like, what I thought it was supposed to be like, and really the plans that God had for me. He really wanted to unwrap the selfishness and the pride. And really, you know, my own plans, he wanted to give me another plan for my life. And it took that 
for me to figure that out. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting picture because, you know, you know, knowing about God and living for God are two very different things. And you guys grew up in a religious Catholic type of an environment where you can know a lot about God but not walk with him, right? That's still, I think that's a picture of, okay, you're Lazarus, but you got all the junk from the, from the sinful life still wrapped around you. Mike, tell us about, you know, what, what, what was pre-Christ Mike Matias like? So, well, a PG version because, you know, they might have okay, kids wait, watching wait. online. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, before um, I knew I, I knew who God was. In fact, I learned who God was uh, I'm Catholic, and I did all the sacraments, whatever. Yeah, and then I went to um, my my, my uh, dad's tax accountant. She was a oh, was charismatic Christian, like ooh, kind of kind of cool, right? So I got saved through her, but uh, I kind of fell away, and I started seeing Jen, and and then I don't know. Before then, there was a void in my life, so I tried to fill it with a lot of things. So Believe it or not, I was heavily into, I was a competitive bodybuilder. I was a fisherman. I was a martial artist. I did everything just to fill that void. But something was always missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, so yeah. I was married to a competitive bodybuilder. Imagine that was what that was like as a married person. It was not fun times for us. And because, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of tension in that young marriage, you know, there was a lot of, lot of drama. It was, it was a tough season, would, right. would you say? Yeah, and um, but how did God begin to unwrap your life and begin to unwrap the brokenness and, and all of that? What did he do? So I had a praying grandma that had prayed for me for years and years and years since I was really, really small. And so finally, when I was ready, I came to church with her and my auntie. And that was a turning point for us. Um, there was Lily Silva, one of somebody uh, that now goes to Pearl Highlands. Every week after service, she would approach me and say, hey, come to small group. I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm too busy, full-time teacher, uh, three kids. I don't have time. You know, and we actually have a picture of the first time we came to Pearlside. Just so happened that somebody took a picture of us. And, you know, it was like a really busy, crazy time for us. There was no way that I had time for small group once a week, one hour. Like, I didn't even have time for that. And so the first, one of the first times I went to small group, you know, I kind of had to find out where the small group was. It was at somebody's house. We're all sitting around sharing. And when it was my turn to share, um, I just started crying. And I, I'm not a crier. I'm not a very, like, upfront emotional person. Mike can tell you all about that. I, I, I just, I cry, like, ugly cry, like a baby. Like, I was crying and crying and crying. And it was, like, my second time in group. I didn't know who these people were. And I started, I was driving home and I said, God, what? I told you I was going to come to this small group, God. You told me to try it out. Why did you embarrass me like that? And I heard God say, you need this. Don't ever stop doing this. And that has really, small group has changed my life, has changed our marriage, has changed the way we parent our kids. So it was different for me. It was, um, you know, I'm one of those guys like, you know, God wants to spend time with our family more than church. We should go to the beach because family is more important than church. And I try to, to interject that every single time saying, you know, God wants to be family. It's more important to be family than God. I, I was so wrong. You know, it's always putting God first. Um, and then, you know, my first interaction with small group was Pastor Norman. I'm in church, you know, in the back, Mumilani. You should go to my small group. I go there and all these Older professionals, samurai-looking guys looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. And Pastor Man goes, hey, Mike, why don't you open up in prayer? I look at him and said, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said that, you know, he started laughing, so it was okay. But um, so, 
you know, Jen's a small group with uh, Lily and then Frida Colopo like that. And I was like, ah, whatever. Then I was at a gas station one time filling up the vehicles. And this guy looks at me. I look at him like, what? You know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was Eddie Colopo, Frida's, I mean, Frida's husband. Mm-hmm. And we had a connection because we saw each other at church a couple of times. And then he invited me to small group. And he taught me ways to work on my marriage, work on myself. And that was... 20-something years ago, I never stopped. You know, before we started going to small group, you know, our marriage was not in the best place. We barely communicated. We didn't know what we were doing when we were parenting our kids. Uh, We weren't really walking with the Lord. We didn't know how to. Mm. But what small group did was give us models with through Eddie and Colopo and other Eddie and Frida and other couples, but also just encouraging us, like being our biggest cheerleaders, uh, praying for us when we needed prayer, and really just even correcting us and prodding us in the right direction uh, to be the sons and daughters that God wanted us to be. It was it was definitely a process of them unwrapping us yeah. through the many many years, the many dinners, the many camping events, the many things that we all did together. Yeah, we we did everything together. That's how much. I think uh, God showed me that just letting myself go and just embracing what small group is, we love them. I mean, we, we became like living part of our DNA, what small mm-hmm. group is. I mean, to the point where we'd go camping so much and that pastor would scold us because at Momi Lani back then was a small congregation, right? That when we go camping, we take half the church with us. <laughs> so, I go, Mike, you guys got to stop this, man. Half the church is gone every three-day weekend. So, okay, because it's not about camping. It's about the relationship. He understood, but we stopped doing that already. So, yeah. But it was, the, it was about the relationship, the relationship that you developed yeah. over yeah. the years, right? Yeah. And by the way, we, if you come to Smogger for the first time, we won't make you pray. We, 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 we stopped doing that. We learned from Mike's example. Anyway, um, but, but it's the relationships that, that you guys built that helped to transform your lives from the, the, the broken, lost teenagers now to the place where you're able to help unwrap others. And so, you know, and you guys do. I mean, now you're, you're everywhere. I mean, you know, and leading small groups, making disciples, reaching out, doing all kinds of crazy stuff stuff uh, for other people. Why do you do that? What motivates you to do what you do now to, to give of yourselves in, in so many ways to help unwrap other people? Well, like I said in the beginning, you know, I, I really wanted to make a difference in the world. I've always wanted to do that. And so the first time I went to a youth service, it was at Momilani Cafeteria, and I saw 200 youth raising their hands, worshiping God. I was a high school math teacher at the time, and really I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted the youth, I wanted to see how we could change the world through kids. And so when I saw that, I was just so moved. To be able to see kids worship God, I knew that was the answer, not giving them a great education, although that's a part of it. It was really, if they could worship God and follow his ways, that's really what's going to change the world. And so ever since then, Mike and I have always been passionate about the next generation, not just our kids, but their friends and their families. Because you know when kids come, I learned this especially in kids' church, it's not just the kids who come, it's the parents who come, it's the grandmas, it's the aunties, the uncles, it's the teachers that they bring, it's the friends that they bring. So we actually get to reach many generations mm-hmm. through just the kids. It's just been an amazing process. So much so that there was uh, sometimes I take a group of boys and mentor them. And you watch them grow. Like one of the best gifts I ever got <laughs> was when I was um, mentoring these um, young, young men. Now they're like middle school teenagers. 
And it was, it was one of those days, it was my birthday, and one of them goes, Uncle Mike, we want to give you a gift. So they sat me in a circle, and everyone prayed for me. That was the best gift I ever got. You know, someone, you teach them how to pray. You teach them how to be um, good stewards of the gifts that God gives them, to be good citizens, good, just Christ followers. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just is amazing how what you teach, taught them comes back when they pray for you. Mm. That was awesome. Man, amen to that. Yeah, you can clap. Praise God. <clears throat> I still think about this day, and every time I think about it, you ask me about it, I'll have the same reaction. And I was like about five, six years ago, you know? Yeah. No, wait. It was 10 years ago, yeah. and I still act like this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the power, right? I mean, you know, people poured into you guys, helped you to experience a new life in Christ. I mean, the life you guys have now is, a f- f- I'm sure it's, I mean, w- would very you say different. very different from very what different. it was? And getting to give that away and seeing that happen in other people, that's, that's, really, that's really the blessing, isn't it? So thank you guys so much for doing that. And, and there's so much more we could spend all day. I mean, Mike, Mike and Jen have stories upon stories, and uh, we have to keep you here till tomorrow. So. We have one more story. I mean, okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. One more. Yeah, we got one more. Okay. So, um, you know, my, through my fishing, fishing time, Ulua, Ahi, whatever I do, yeah. And um, there's one guy, I kept praying for him, this old man. His name is an old friend of mine. Uh, he's, he's 79 now, right? But I was, 20 years ago, I kept praying for him. He asked me about God. He asked me about God. And then just recently, he goes, hey, Mike, you know, because I think he called up Jen because he, he wants to pray for his, his, his girlfriend, you know. Old guy get girlfriend, how's that? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and because she was sick, but Jen prayed for her and she got better. And then Tosha was so emotional. Hey, Mike, you know, you've been preaching me all these years. Let me come to service one day. So he came two weeks ago. After service, he raised his hand. He goes like, oh, my God, God better than Buddha. <laughs> so he actually went to his Shinto priest, whatever, and said, you know, I, I'm not coming to church anymore. In fact, he loved it so much, he comes to 9 the first time. He said, he called the handy van, pick me up at 12, at 1 o'clock, I'll go second service. So he's been going to two service every time. You'll see him probably today this afternoon, though. But he's one of the guys I, I've been praying for. So I actually have like a prayer wall or prayer list that I have, and I pray for them daily. Hopefully, they'll, um, when they catch on and uh, receive God, yeah? So. Amen. Yeah, the neat thing about, I mean, there's a couple of neat things about it, but, you know, as soon as Tosh heard the first service, he already told Mike the five people he's going to invite and the two people who said yes and how he's going to give to the legacy offering. And, <laughs> yeah, you want to tell them that? He goes, Mike, I don't want nothing, but you think, I gave one turkey from last year. They go, take that. What about a bottle of wine? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a simple Praise mindset. God. I love yeah. the guy so yeah. much, you know, yeah. But, you know, it was one of I love that. And he told his Shinto priest, I'm, I'm not coming to your church yeah, anymore. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, God better than Buddha. I'm like, I love this guy. I did not, you know. <laughs> I met him outside. He goes, oh, your message was good. But one thing, you talk too fast. I was like, yes, I've, I've been told that. I'm working on it. Sir. <laughs> Real honest. You're all laughing because you know it's true. Amen. I'm, I'm working on it. I promise. But, you know, guys, I, I'm just so, so, so blessed by your story because I've, I've known you for many years now, seeing the journey and just seeing how God brought you to this place, farly, you know, unwrapped from the, the junk of the past. How would you encourage us as we go forward for all of us to experience new life in Christ for ourselves as well as to be able to, to help others? Yeah. You know, guys, uh, I, this is what I say. Whenever you meet someone, you might be the only face of Jesus they ever see. So represent them well. Mm. Yeah. And um, just do the best you can. You're not perfect. Only God is. 
but you can, you know, we're, we're, we're all in process, but you got to just make an effort, yeah, and, and be the face of Jesus if they've never seen one before. That's great. Yeah. 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 So good. Yeah. yeah. You know, Mike and I, over the years, as we've walked with God, we've only wanted to obey him. And that took a long time to figure out what that meant. Um, it took people around us. It took a lot of prayer. Um, it took us to be able to be unwrapped because unless we were unwrapped, we still were going to live out our plan, right? And mm -hmm. so we needed to figure out what God's plan was by being unwrapped and by following him and seeing examples of other people who, um, who were walking with God and trying to do the best they could to obey him. And so my encouragement is just obey him. It just takes one step at a time. Everything God has given us, we know, is for his kingdom. It's not for ourselves. And, you know, it's amazing because the we didn't know Tosh was going to come to church. You know, it was the unexpected mm. things that we just kind of live the life that we're going to live. And then God will bring the people. God softens the heart. God makes a way. And so if you're faithful in the little, God will bring the much. Amen to that. Amen to that. Amen. Well, you know, you can clap. Yeah, amen. You know, we're going we're gonna to do something that we haven't done in a really long time, is we're going to ordain uh, Jennifer Matias today as a pastor on our staff. Uh, she's been, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> um, but uh, can you guys stand up? You know, we've been, we've been talking about this for a while, Pastor Norman, Pastor Paris, myself. And I'm going to ask the, the pastors that are here, come on up to, to join us on the stage. Why don't you guys come right in the middle? And, um, you know, Jennifer's been faithful on our team and uh, leading for many years alongside with her husband, Mike, and she's been on our staff, um, leading our kids' ministry now for how many years, Jen? Seven years. And, uh, and uh, we've been just saying, you know, we need to, it's about, it's time to ordain her. So we said, you know what, let's do it. It's time to do it. Uh, we definitely need you. So we're glad that you said yes. And uh, we're just believing that this is going to be the beginning of a great new, uh, new, new, new era in their lives, but also for us as a church as we get to welcome her uh, on our team as a pastor. So will you stretch forth your hands as we, we pray to bless and ordain Jennifer and by extension Mike, who's an amazing, tremendous support here. So Father, we thank you so much for this amazing couple. As we got to hear just a glimpse of their story this morning, God, thank you for the grace of God displayed through Mike and Jen. That in the midst of all of the brokenness of the past, many would have said, there's no, there's no hope for you. Or you're, 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 you ruined your life. But I thank you, God, that you see past our flaws. And you have a plan that can supersede our weaknesses and our mistakes and our failures. And God, I thank you for the new story that you've written in them. One of grace, one of your presence. And God, while they're not perfect, God, we know that they're continue on your journey just as we all are. And Father, today we, we, just, we just pray to ordain Jennifer Matias as a pastor on our staff here at Pearlside Church. God, I pray that your anointing would come upon her to a new level. I pray for even greater wisdom than she already has, even greater grace than she already has, even a greater understanding of your word and their ability to teach and to lead others than she already has, God. We thank you for the, for the wisdom that's going to be unleashed for the gifts that are going to be unleashed, for the, for the other women that she's going to rise up all around her to follow in your footsteps, God. So, Father, we pray your anointing upon her. Holy Spirit, come. God, let your spirit be ever-present in Jennifer and in Mike and in this family, God. We thank you for them. And we commission and ordain her today as Pastor Jennifer Matias. We thank you for their lives in Jesus' name. Pastor Paris. 
I just hear the, Thank you, the voice of the Lord saying, My daughter, I am pleased with you. You have been faithful. You have stewarded the gifts and abilities I have placed in you. And there is now coming an enlargement. Enlargement to your voice. Enlargement to the anointing. Enlargement to the opportunities. And I will thrust you into places where you were once reticent. Once maybe held back. But now you're going to be going with a new confidence a new authority, new wisdom to speak into places, Lord, that were once locked up. I see you having an impact, even as you were once an educator, having impact in the educational system and other educators. I see you having an impact with not only young children, teenagers, but whole families. There will be coming a new flock, a new harvest field, of people looking for answers in their marriage, in their parenting, and God is going to bring you to them, and they will. God will bring them to you. My son, I'm also pleased with you. Thank you, Lord. And I don't normally say this, but I sense the Lord saying there is a financial windfall coming your way, as both of you have been generous with your time, your talent. And your treasure, I feel that I sense the Lord saying, I'm returning back to you a hundredfold, a hundredfold blessing. There will be a new level of generosity of your time, talent, and treasure, and there will be a multiplication of that in your life. And as I send you, not only into the fields of education, but I'm sending you into the fields of government, I will send you into the fields of the athletic community, I will send you into fields of of government and the military and so many other things and I believe in the next season the greatest years of fruitfulness will be your portion so Lord we thank you Lord God for this couple but Lord we also thank you Lord for Jen becoming our next woman's pastor in this church Lord God and I even sense this finally get ready your impact will not only be here locally but there will be an impact globally. I will send you to the fields, mission fields, harvest fields, not only here in Hawaii, but also nationally and definitely globally. Get ready. I'm doing a new thing in your heart and in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thank you. You know, I know Jen and Mike would be the first to tell you that their life isn't perfect. None of us ours. But here's what I love about their story. There's no level of brokenness that God can't redeem. There's no level of, of messed upness, whatever we would think about ourselves, that God can't bring full circle one day if we stay on the path, if we keep walking with Him, if we allow ourselves to be unwrapped from the junk of the past. And I want to turn it towards all of us. What area of our lives, every single one of us, are we allowing the junk of the past to stay on? Maybe we've tolerated it for decades and years and we said, I'm just always going to be this way. I don't think that's God's plan for us. That that sin and the stuff that we know shouldn't be there, we just tolerate. I think God wants to unwrap every single one of us. Can I hear an amen? What is that area for you? We just bow your heads with me as we, as we close. What is that area in your life this morning that the Holy Spirit is saying, man, I want to take that off. I want to unwrap that over your face, over your hands, over your feet so that you can live for Him. <clears throat>
Father, I just pray by your spirit that you would help us, first of all, to identify that area where the grave wraps from the past are still there. And God, by your grace, help us to experience freedom through other people, helping to unwrap us by your spirit. God, that we can have a story that is a trophy and a testimony of the grace of God. That when people look at us and they look at our relationships, those of us that are married, they look at our marriages and they say, man, it was messed up before. What happened? You were messed up before. What happened? You were like this before. Man, what? And you're so different now, God. I pray that every one of us would have a testimony like that, as young or as old as we are, of the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit that can set us free from the stuff of the past. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And help us to experience a new life in you. We pray this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen.